Well, welcome back to Open to Truth, a podcast all about exploring big ideas and discovering truth together. My name's Clint. Hi, I'm Tony. Welcome back. And you know what's kind of interesting? The Two weeks ago, uh, one of my family members uh, has a son who was really struggling with his faith, hmm. reportedly, mm-hmm. and in particular was wondering why God allowed the coronavirus pandemic. Sure. Uh, which is a good question, I think, yeah. to be thinking about. Um, so I just wanted to bring that here. I did have my conversation with him uh, via Zoom, hmm. and I think it was pretty fruitful Yeah, and helped me just as I was articulating it to him, or at least how I would handle a, a query like that. Um, help me in my own thinking. So kind of want to share some of that here. Some thoughts on that. That's great. It's not, not a particularly new question. The question of why is there suffering in the world? Why is there evil in the world? That's right. This is just a specific brand of it. But great that he's thinking about that. Mm-hmm. I'd love to know what you said in that conversation. Yeah, well, um, I think I do just for a moment want to bring it back to this a general problem of suffering. I mean, we can imagine ways that human beings suffer or animal suffering whatever whoever counts in the moral community as mattering um suffering evil meaning different things right i would say suffering is the conscious experience of an evil or the perceived a a perceived evil happening in your life and by evil i mean a way that your life is not going as well as it could is that is that just two ways of saying the same thing? Evil is just that which causes suffering. Um, not no, not necessarily. Because you might. I mean, I'm just I'm leaving room for the case where someone with a really broken mind could be experiencing suffering with a all things being equal, pretty good life, where there's not really hmm. much evil in it. Okay. Uh, so uh, I'm thinking of here of like the, a paranoid schizophrenic or someone who yeah. thinks that people are after them they're right. not the, this evil is not in the world i see the, okay. their life really is not going poorly in, yeah. the, in the sense of people are hunting them down yeah, yeah. but they have this the experience suffering. yeah i thought you had distinguished between um evil like evil being having to do with an agent that is choosing to inflict suffering or something versus say a natural evil that's just a hurricane i I would make that distinction between a moral evil and a natural moral and natural evil Mm -hmm. okay so one's life not going as well as a result of someone's actions or just the course of both broadly speaking evil yeah coronavirus hurricane murderer evil i think those are all ways okay could impact your life going poorly yeah yeah um, but no, that's helpful to bring up. I, that's actually where I was going with it, that okay. distinction, because, um, yeah, there's different ways that your life cannot go as well as it could. And then you perhaps accordingly suffer to a certain degree. We don't need to get too hung up on that distinction for yeah. our purposes, but if you want to use them interchangeably, I won't fault you for that. Okay. Um, so first we might, uh, we might want to wonder uh, what kind of evil the pandemic really is. Um, is it really a natural evil? You might, because you brought the occurrence, uh, the example of a natural disaster, yeah. a tsunami, a hurricane. And even those uh, on certain theories of cause and effect relationships, 
uh, like the butterfly effect, yeah. where even the smallest of my actions, if I go like this, mm-hmm. that there's now going to be tsunami a, in a, Japan, a whirlwind yeah. in the the Mongolian steppes. Yeah. Um. So perhaps that's the case. I'm not sure, but just to say that it's not hard and fast. Really easy to determine what counts as a moral or natural evil in that way. Do you don't think? I mean, when I think about a moral evil, I think about an agent who is intent on inflicting suffering in some way. But the coronavirus okay. is not intent on that. The or coronavirus all, is blowing yeah. through like the weather blows through. I guess I want to say more agential evil. The result of an agent. Yes, okay. Rather than moral, Okay. probably. But Let's use that term then. Yeah. That's fine. And so it's, it's just say, to say it's tricky to draw a boundary line between the two. Not, I mean, not always. Yeah. Some of them are very clearly agents some are not okay but there's these some are in the gray area like maybe the coronavirus is one of them uh i'm not i mean i'm not trying to spread a conspiracy theory by any means saying it was cooked up in a lab mate but yeah i mean yes that is one potential still live option right that there was some testing in a wuhan lab yeah that it got leaked and not that it was purposeful or anything like that but just that this is the etiology of it yeah and Okay, maybe maybe that's the case, and in which case, then someone may have made a mistake, and now it's the result of an agent introducing something into the world. Mm-hmm. This is important because I think this impacts how you would assess the God question. Mm-hmm. So we can wonder about how to carve up our world of what evils are happening with our different concepts. But then uh, this family member was asking what's happening how does that relate to my faith or god mm-hmm. okay well now we need to think a little bit about that term what do we mean by god what mm-hmm. are you building into that concept that's generating the problem because i think the underlying worry that's maybe not always said is there's something incompatible or at least extremely unlikely with holding these two propositions mm-hmm. that god is omnipotent can do all things that are possible to do mm-hmm. as omniscient, all knowing and omnibenevolent or all good. Mm-hmm. So there's something in, and the other proposition, there exists evil of yeah. these different varieties that we were briefly sketching. So all powerful, all knowing, all good God, evil mm-hmm. exists. What's and going there's, on? there's a suspicion that there is tension here, mm-hmm. that there is conflict. This ought not be, um, and so I leave it to the the person wondering about that to try to tease that out and what exactly they have an issue with. Mm-hmm. I think the idea is if God were all good, then he would rather, all things being considered, there be no evil. It's kind of what it means to be good, mm-hmm. I think, is to not desire evil. If he were all powerful, then he would put a stop to the evil but there is evil. So either he is not all good or he is not all powerful. Mm-hmm. What gives? And you can throw in the the knowledge piece. Maybe sure. he doesn't know. He doesn't know how. Yeah. <laughs> he could do it. He just doesn't, can't figure it out. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so let's take each of these case by case, these mm-hmm. different magnificent prophecy, properties of this divine being. So first, omnipotence, all powerful. Uh, that may seem like obvious what that means, but I think on closer inspection, it's not totally clear. So, I mean, pow- what is power, first of all? What do you, 
What is that trait that someone can have? The ability to make one's will manifest in the world. Great. You've <laughs> I've heard you talk about this once. That's once. how I would talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The ability to place into reality or to make manifest what you desire. What you want. And so someone who's all powerful then, anything that they can even think of, just mental activity, uh, by dint of doing that, could manifest it into the world. There's mm-hmm. a, there's no, um, there's no gap yeah. between the what way the want. world could be yeah. and how you want it to be. Yeah. Just yep. different ways of talking about what power means. I mean, it's kind of weird. What, where's power? How do yeah, you, yeah. You can't like point to it or touch it, you know, yeah. so you have to, it's a little bit abstract. Like a riddle. Um, and sometimes, like I briefly mentioned before, how this is characterizes uh, all powerful means you have the ability to make manifest in reality anything that is possible to do so. Sure. So we're trying to rule out the weird paradoxes of can God create a stone he can't lift? Yeah. Uh, wait. Can he make a round square? Yeah, right. All that. Not possible. Not a possible thing for anyone to do, let right. alone God. Yeah. So he's off the hook for not. He can't make round squares. But we. Uh, we might wonder though um if let's wonder let's just wonder together right now okay is it is it possible for god to disallow the pandemic from happening Hmm. how does that strike you right away I'm really giving it some thought here. That's okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to I mean, saddle you with right away. Well, my gut says, yeah, my gut says, if we're saying this, God can also speak the whole universe into existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seems like he could snap his proverbial fingers and the there is no COVID, COVID virus. Like each individual yep. virus. They all just disappear. They go away. They evaporate. Right? I mean, if he can create ex nihilo, if he can make things appear that did not appear or weren't, mm-hmm. And call so, them to be. Yeah, so maybe... Can't he do the opposite? So we could say maybe that he could just make these things evaporate right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Or maybe someone would have, would have preferred it not happen to begin with at all. Yeah. And so can engineer certain events in the world such that that doesn't come into existence in the first place. Yeah. Maybe a complicated story about how that works, but in any case... It seems like... It seems possible. Mm-hmm. To up- Okay. To my gut. Yep. Uh, I don't know if we need to dive into the omniscience. It's pretty similar to that last one. Yeah. Um, but again, let's just put the caveat, all things that are possible to know. Uh, but there is something interesting to behold at this juncture because certain philosophers put more things into the category of impossible to know than others. Yeah, right. One of them being future events. So to what degree does God really have a grasp on the future? And now we get... When you say have a grasp, it makes him sound like an Alzheimer's patient or something. He's just <laughs> confused about the future. I think what you're saying, though, is that it could be the case that the universe we live in or reality is such that it is made up of genuine possibilities. That the the future is not sort of out there waiting for you to arrive in it. Mm-hmm. All there is is the present moment, the present state. That's all there ever is. And so the future isn't something that can be known. It just doesn't exist. It's a it's an idea in our minds, you know? Mm-hmm. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I think I, I was not committing myself no, to no, that. But, but to explain the, the view that, that future mm-hmm. events might not be knowable at all. Yeah, I think so. So 
It's not that they're knowable and God's just confused, can't get a grasp on it. It's like mm-hmm. there's nothing to grasp. Yeah. That- but popular culture and a lot of sci-fi trades on the falsity of that view. Oh, yeah. That the future actually is right now in some way. So back to the future, Marty yeah, McFly yeah. not only can go from 1985 to 1955 in the past, but you can go to 2015. Yeah. Uh, so that these different points on the timeline yeah. uh, all kind of exist, exist. At, at the same time. You don't want to yeah, say that. You but don't want to say that. This is A theory and B theory of time. Right. Right. Very creatively named, just <laughs> one after the other, right? So the A theory is just saying that uh, it's presentism, it's sometimes called. All that ever really exists is the present moment, and it's ticking right along. The past is just as ethereal as the future. Temporal becoming is real. Yep. That whole thing. I'm genuinely stepping into a future that is not manifest. Whereas a B theory is more of this back to the future picture, or there's this timeline. Maybe God even sits above it. He's atemporal, looking down on the span of time and can maybe, I don't know, move things around. Yeah, like the the universe exists in a sort of a space-time loaf with Mm. various coordinates throughout. You yeah. know, that you can be located at or travel to if you're Marty mm-hmm. McFly and you have a DeLorean. I'm thinking of Tim and Eric comedic special on the universe as a tube. It's <laughs> making me laugh. Uh, so, yeah, the A and B theory are both ways of thinking about what is time. That's a whole other uh, tricky yeah. one to get into. But if it's the case that the B theory is correct, mm-hmm. then... I think we feel a lot more comfortable saying that God knows the future. But on A theory, it's less... It's less uh, obvious what it means for God to know the future if the future doesn't exist in any meaningful mm-hmm. way. Because you might think that the truth makers of a sentence, uh, so for instance, Tony is sitting in the chair, mm-hmm. there are different uh, realities that those terms map onto. But when I say uh, Clint will get Mountain Dew tomorrow, what's tomorrow? Like tomorrow doesn't, it's not a thing out there that we can. Uh, point to it's not a it's not an existent and so it's not clear what makes that true but now sorry if you don't want to get too bogged down here but um isn't there an argument to be made that you know if god knows the current state of the universe in its entirety this system Mm -hmm. every location of every particle its speed momentum all that he should be able to know what the next state will be and the one after that and the one after that and kind of run this calculation to determine how the whole thing will unfold over time. And and obviously that sort of, um, there's no mention there of agency or free will. It's sort of like just the, you know, well, that's the, billiard that's- balls of neurons firing around in your brain informing you getting Mountain Dew at Speedway. But shouldn't he know how that will all unfold? Uh, well, that's the, that's the flashpoint issue in this right. theological debate is whether or not God knows the outcome of genuinely free agents other than himself yeah so god i think can know the future even on the a theory where it's a little bit trickier to figure out what that means when it's him his own plans yeah like i'm gonna do this like i really am gonna do it tomorrow so i know the future (laughs) but when it comes to me which i'd like to think i don't know i'm my own agent i'm not being determined i know it's building in a lot of assumptions that deserve their own hearing and a whole other podcast Mm -hmm. i don't want to get too into like defending free will here but um if i do have free will and the future is genuinely open and i can choose amongst the range of options um it just gets harder to say for sure 
what to what degree God knows the outcomes. Now, just to get nerdy just for a second here, there's this view called Molinism. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it, um, what's his first name? Luis. Molina? Luis Molina. Is it Luis? Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he came up with this idea where, oh, uh, God knows these counterfactuals of freedom, which basically means if Clinton were in this situation, then he would do this. Mm-hmm. And since he knows the prior states of the world and what the, the conditions will be in the future, given those previous states, then he'll know what conditions I'm in. He knows that counterfactual of freedom. Oh, what are the conditions? Well, I know when Clinton is in those conditions, he does this. He would do this. So he knows the future. And that's a whole area of philosophy we can wonder, does God know counterfactuals of freedom? Mm-hmm. But that's that's going pretty far afield. But I think it does, it relates to the topic at hand. Yeah. Because all of this to say, back to the problem of evil, if God is unaware of the future in a way that we may not have thought traditionally, then he may be um, not as much on the hook for being able to prevent certain things from happening because he didn't know they were they would. Right. Um, but I don't love to resort to that as an option because I'm just I don't have a very high credence or belief level that God doesn't have these counterfactuals of freedom in his tool belt. Perhaps mm-hmm. he does. Mm-hmm. I want to leave that open for now. Yeah. The third property, back to our initial kind of rubric here, uh, we did omnipotence, omniscience, now omnibenevolence or being all good morally perfect Mm -hmm. uh this one i don't um i would be really hesitant to give up on i mean that's pretty central to me for what it means to be god yeah um like you you fail to earn that title of god if you don't have the property morally perfect yeah right it's at least it's at least a necessary condition yeah. to get the title going. I'm less concerned about the other two, to be honest, but this one seems super important. Mm-hmm. And that just means that, well, I don't mean to say it so matter-of-factly. I'm, every, almost everything I say here is contentious in philosophy, but <laughs> um, that God always does what is morally best, is morally perfect, uh, doesn't make moral mistakes. Um, not that he, uh, and crucially, we've brought this up before, he could, He's not an automaton, similar to me. Mm-hmm. He could choose to do wrong, but just simply just does not. Doesn't. Um, so, yeah. Coupled with those, omnipotent, omniscient, all good. How could it possibly be then that evil persists? Wouldn't the powerful, good, all-knowing being prevent this horrific thing? Yeah, it does seem like he would. I'm wondering, mm-hmm. and again, if this is too so far now afield, we've kind of spent a while like setting it up, that stating the problem, yeah, getting clear on our terms. I don't know if you want to go here, but if God is omnibenevolent, he's he always does what is good. Mm-hmm. Is it worth talking about what kind of moral theory we think God uses? And here's where my here's where the train of thought went. Okay, if God always does what's good, is God a consequentialist mm-hmm. where he just maximizes the good and how could he be one if without knowing the future i would want i would want him to know the full scope of the consequences all the knock-on effects why do you want that because otherwise i want to know how he's making his decisions moment by moment well i think i'm fine with um i'm fine with building into my concept again no matter what we think about the future 
the truth, the, the, the term omniscience is God knows everything that's possible to know. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is important. So going back to his goodness, this ties into his goodness because, um, well, I guess you could contest it like anything else, but typically we don't assign moral duties or a moral ought. You ought to do this if it, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to put someone on the hook for um, uh, like make them morally blameworthy for something they could not have done. Yeah. That's, yeah, I mean, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that's like, fair. Uh, a little kid drowned in a well in India. Clinton, how could you? Yeah. What? What? Like, yeah. I, it wasn't possible for me. I didn't know about it. I wasn't there. So if God doesn't have access to the future or these consequences way down the road that yeah. you might think it would be nice to have, if they're just not within reach of anyone, including the divine, yeah. then they're not morally on the hook for it yeah but then i i don't want him pulling the levers if he's just as uh restricted well not not just as as us but right but at at least in terms of the knock-on effects it seems like he could actually do way more damage than i could if that's the case if he has just as little knowledge about the future as i do it just who knows he could really have some oopsies you know yeah boy shouldn't have done that accidentally caused coronavirus and that seems like a weird way to conceive of God acting in the world, that these there could be tremendous evils that accidentally befall us because God just didn't see it coming, or God didn't consider that that could be a possible knock-on mm-hmm. effect of some good that He did in the past. Okay, you know, so that's I, just weird. There's a weirdness there. It, well, not only is it weird, but it I think it offers a way out. Mm. I, don't, I don't necessarily love that language, but for God and the problem of evil, mm-hmm. it's off the hook in a way if. Or it gives you more of a reason to think that God maybe is less involved in human affairs mm. for fear that for can't foresee the consequences. You mean an argument for his hiddenness? Yeah, Almost. and that um, like the answer to the problem of evil would be that God uh, doesn't want to make things worse, doesn't have access to the information that would obviously make the world better, mm-hmm. and so um, refrains from acting. That's why coronavirus is persisting. And when, if, we, when we say acting... I'm sort of imagining some some real divine intervention of tampering with physics almost, you know, vanishing particles or whatever yeah, yeah, else. Yeah. I think there is an argument argument to be made for maybe the primary way God is acting in the world is through conscience and through changing of the human heart, something like that, mm-hmm. individual on the individual level. Um, but he's not announcing his presence by waving his hand and having coronavirus disappear, you know? So here's my proposed solution to this mm. it's not very um satisfying okay it's also not fair to call it mine it's, okay, been, great. <laughs> it's been imagined for a long time so here's your not very satisfying plagiarized in- response instead of hanging my hat on god's lack of epistemic access or knowledge access i would have much far more comfortable hanging my hat on my own lack of epistemic access okay unpack that so i think most viewers would agree and hopefully you do as well that we as human beings have such little access to all the available data that one could oh my okay yeah i mean i mean until i get my neuralink yeah yeah it's i have unbelievable 
um, lack of access to the available data I might want to have to make good decisions just mm-hmm. just in my everyday life. Oh yeah. Um, no, by groping around in the dark. Even to, even simple things like I don't really know for sure how fast some cars are going, and I yeah, mean, I just kind of eyeball it. Yeah. I, I have no, I don't really have any idea. Like, are they going forty or fifty? I can kind of guess. Yeah, but I'm making snap judgments on this stuff. There's a lot I don't know. I don't know the um, the tensile strength in LeBron's calf muscle to know whether to bet on the Lakers this season that they'll mm-hmm. be winning or whether he'll get injured. Yeah, I mean, there's there's we could go. We could spend an hour talking about all the things I don't know. Probably about the rest of our lives. Yeah. Um, and so, with that being said, it seems remarkably unwise and unfair for me to assume that I would know uh, what a divine being should do when faced with a problem. Yeah. So here is here's a at least from my and even again. From my perspective, it seems like a problem, the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, a lot of people have died. A lot of people have lasting consequences. Yeah, both it's not from, good. from the virus and the economic devast- de- devastation left in its wake mm-hmm. and our responses and all of it. From my perspective, this seems like a really bad thing and wouldn't it have been great to avoid it? But I'm operating from such a small perspective mm-hmm. that actually it turns out I don't really know if that's true. It's a problem of scope, right? You're just saying that, the again, going back to that butterfly effect thing, 2,000 years from now, how different will the world be because we had this coronavirus and all the effects of it that have led to other effects, all mm-hmm. these ripples, um, that there could be some great goods that outweigh. Is that what you're saying? That on balance, things might end up better because we had this coronavirus that could be then they would have been had we not had the coronavirus yes i don't feel like i have access to that information there's I, there's yeah. so much i'm missing so 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 much i just don't i don't know for sure what about and i so so that's just to say i don't have the necessary data to say that god's making a moral mistake by allowing it so why? Okay. So back to my family member's question and the timeless one: Why does why does God allow suffering, or why did God allow the pa- pandemic? <clears throat> and I'm going to say I don't know. I not only do I not know, I can't know given my available evidence. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Perhaps if I was in God's shoes and I had all of that power and knowledge and could see these things, I would be able to judge better. But I'm just not. Yeah. What about though situations where forget the natural evil, some uh, what do you call it, agential evil? Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a, a serial killer is torturing and raping a little girl. Okay, that seems obviously horrendous. In what world is God ever justified allowing that to continue? It seems to me that there might be no amount of good that would justify Mm -hmm. such a horrendous thing being allowed to take place. You know, just to say that, well, yeah, yeah, three young girls got raped, but look what happened a thousand years later. That doesn't satisfy me emotionally. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. So how would you respond to that? So I would not necessarily say that the consequences that outweigh, I wouldn't want to like look far into the future and wonder like when are, 
more positive points going to be accrued from right. such a horrific negative. It mm-hmm. seems really crass and crude. There's just it's such a violation. Um, yeah. It just ought not ever happen despite yeah. what comes of it. Right. Um, I think more we're comparing. This is gonna, now we're, I can't help but go a little bit nerdy and philosophical. Please, that's what we're here um, for. But, so sometimes in philosophical theology, there's this notion of a possible world. And a possible world is just any way that the world could have been or could be. Mm-hmm. So I could be wearing a blue sweater, or this could be a yellow chair, or I became uh, a circus trainer. Who knows all the different ways that the world could be different, not with just me, but with any creature, any particle even. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, there's nearly infinite, right? Yeah. So at the beginning of time, God looks at all these different possible worlds, not actual like looking through a cosmic telescope and looking at a planet. Right. But different ways that the universe could unfold. And uh, uh, like, uh, I want that one. That one's the best. And on the whole, that one perhaps is the one with the most good over the most bad. That's one way of thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And in that world, there are some rapists. But there's also other things that occur in that world um, that offset the wickedness done there. That's uh, one. That's I don't know if that helps me at all, though. Because even then you're thinking about it in terms of, well, the good is outweighing the bad. I wonder... I don't know if you can get away from it. How is God... Might it be better that he never create anything than create a world where little girls are ra- raped and murdered? I think that is unanswerable. Hmm. Um, and, sorry, one more bone to pick. Earlier, we were saying God might not know the future. Mm-hmm. So how is he looking at this array of possible worlds to see how they would all unfold? Isn't yeah, you, he sort of you need to know the future. pressing the start button blindly and then seeing playing playing the game as we go? You need to know the future for the possible world's answer. Mm. Um, but And maybe I'm, I'm not being as clear as I could be. What I'm trying to build to is what's known as the free will defense. Mm-hmm. And this is basically the idea that, look... Not only is it, not only would we want to say that it's a better, a world with free will is better, but it's, <laughs> it's the only way a world could be that even makes sense to use the term better. Oh, say more about that. Uh, because agency and free will, and again, my agnostic, skeptic friends and atheists won't really endorse this because they probably don't think free will exists, but um, it is the source of anything significant and meaningful ever anywhere you would go to look for it It is derived at some point from an agent, a locus of consciousness that is able to direct attention at something Mm. and curate. Mm. Um, So without that, you can't even use the terms better or worse. You can't even be. You can't even surmise the question: Why did God allow the bad thing? Because a bad thing, at least in this case of um, persons doing wrong things, um, it's hard to even really make sense of why you would ascribe value to it at all. Because without free will, it's all it's all just stuff happening. Yeah, There's, there are no agents. There are no persons. Mm-hmm. There are just atoms bumping into each other. Is that the what you're saying? Yeah, I guess so. And uh, hmm. and and if it is, if it's that way, 
and there's consciousness, if we can somehow make sense of that. Well, there is consciousness, right? So yeah, but but there's no like consciousness and no free will. Okay, yeah. If uh, I have my worries about that, that that's coherent. But yeah. Let's say that there is. Um, then it's just then I, I don't know how you get away from the consequentialist calculation of well, what movie can I play for all of these different low low psi of consciousnesses that maximizes pleasure over pain? And yeah, one movie is a horror movie where you get raped and tortured and killed. Yeah. But there's a bunch of movies where that's not happening and good stuff's happening. And I guess I'll pick the one with more pleasure over pain. I think that's a little bit crass. I would rather go with the explanation that God wants to create value and meaning and significance in the world. And the only way to do it is through the creation of free agents and you run the risk of those agents abusing their freedom, abusing the freedom. Some don't and create beauty. Some do and create wickedness and terror and the rest of it. Okay. Can I throw this at you as well? Yeah. Just, this is not a fully formed thought. So forgive me if it comes out half baked, but thinking about in the problem of evil, uh, I think you and I mentioned this on the good place episode, mm-hmm. but I am not convinced that a world with zero suffering is really the world that I want to be in either. Absolutely. Right. This is, this is good, and this, I, sh- I should have brought this up sooner. So yeah, not, um, there's also the notion that like suffering can lead to good things. Yeah. So for instance, uh, when my, I give my son a timeout, mm-hmm. um, I actually, in my, in my own classification, like I would call that an evil. Mm-hmm. Like his life isn't going as well as it could be right there. He's distanced from his family. He doesn't get to be enjoying his toys. It's kind of artificially put in place by me. Yeah. But it's for a greater good. Mm-hmm. I've, I've purposely, inf- and he is suffering. I'm, I assure you, he's experiencing <laughs> it. Um, it's evidenced by a lot of his different bodily motions and sounds. Yeah. Uh, but it's for what I take to be, hopefully I'm being a good parent, is for the greater good of teaching some kind of lesson about, oh, do not hit your brother in the face with your sword, play sword, or yeah. whatever he had done to harm one of his siblings, yeah. or you know, not shown respect to his parents or his mother or something. Yeah, um, I've purposely inflicted that to learn a lesson about this ethic I'm trying to instill in him. Mm-hmm. And there's all sorts of cases that abound like that, even ones where it seemed horrific at first, but good things led to it. Like I'll use a kind of controversial example, and that's the Holocaust. Yeah, like frequently cited as one of the worst atrocities in human history. I'm sure there's other horrific things, but that's right up there. Yeah. Um, but also like there are some good things that came about from that happening. Yeah, and I'm not here to officially say it by any means that they outweigh that. But it's, or, or to say that it was a good, it's good that that happened. I'm never saying that. Yeah, that I okay. think that's a confusion. I want to be very firm in saying like that some things are evils. Yeah, um, and that you might even allow or even inflict them mm-hmm. for a good to come, maybe, but at least allow. Yeah. Um. So, like for instance, the establishment of the state of Israel in 1948. Mm-hmm. Like that, I don't know if that would have happened without, like, the Jews being so op- oppressed and 
killed and genocide happening mm-hmm. that the UN stepped in and, and made that happen. And it's hard to really calculate the amount of good that came from that state. I mean, some, you know, might think that it's a, a abjectly evil state. I'm sure some Palestinian activists might think that way, but mm-hmm. there's a whole host of lives and businesses and culture and stuff that's flowed out from that area that, um, and like they find the Jews finally have the home in the world for after 2000 years. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's hard to calculate. So am I going to definitively say that on the whole, the Holocaust created more evil in the war- world than good, like looking down the corridor of time. Well, I'm not, I'm going to hold my tongue on that. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know for sure. Now, maybe that sounds crazy to someone. And I think it's because I'm being misunderstood. If that's the case. I am not saying that Hitler should have done what he did mm. or that I'm glad that the Holocaust happened. No, no, that, that's not the case. Very evil thing that occurred. What we're asking is, is God a moral monster for allowing that to take place? And so first we'd have to say that God would override the free wills of all parties involved in the nonsense and the horror, mm-hmm. which we gave reason to think that that's, Maybe not something God would be able or want to do. And then um, it's also just not clear that, like, I'm just not in God's position to know whether what the effects are of that going out into human history. Mm-hmm. Um, also, very important to think about, what if what if that wasn't as bad as it could have been? Right. May, and this is like... Uh, I mean, sometimes where theists go more often, like um, more devout theists, I suppose, um, that are really into providence, would say like that God, actually God is extremely at work in the world. Right. And things would be way worse if he were not. And I'm, I'm open to that. Like I, I, I can actually imagine world events. I can imagine a worse world than this. Yes. Right. And who knows? Uh, and we can say the same thing about the pandemic. Yeah. Um. Here's a, and this is so fascinating. My uh, I won't reveal his exact age, but a, a young, like uh, almost teenage boy is the family member, and he brought up a really fascinating point about this. He's like, you know, as you're talking about this, it's making me think of climate change, and say we will. I'm not like as brushed up on all of that and the exact details, but suppose climate change is an enormous, imminent problem for humanity. Mm-hmm. Well, as it happens. Uh, it's less of a problem in 2020 than it was in 2019. Hmm. There's, there's just far less pollution right? Uh, and so as a result of the pandemic. Right. Uh, and I don't know, I'm, I didn't fact check him, but he said, he mentioned that he had read a little article saying that it bought us 20 years uh, of time to solve the climate problem. Wow. So if that's true, and I don't know if that is, but that is interesting to consider Yeah. that, there is this suppose that there is this existential threat facing humanity that we gain some time by having life artificially slowed down through this crazy pandemic and we're just not industry has grinded to a halt in some ways which obviously is bad and has its negative effects and evils in the world but i my my contention is that we aren't in, in a position to know for sure whether the world would have been worse without it mm-hmm. or whether a better world will res- will result in the future. There's just so much unknowns. What I'm trying to do ultimately is echo 
I'm not trying to. What I happen to be doing is echoing the noises that Job makes in the Bible and God's answer to Job of asking, what did I do to deserve the evils that occurred in my life? And God just spends three chapters giving a list of rhetorical questions. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? Where were you when I created Leviathan and Behemoth? Yeah. And where were you when I put Pleiades in the night sky? And all these things where, okay, no, I wasn't. I wasn't there. I wasn't there. I wasn't there. I wasn't there. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. You're not in my Your shoes. Your scope is so limited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not at, and at no point does he say that the good does outweigh the bad. I or don't, that evil hasn't befallen you. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Just that we're not in a position to make the final call. So it's not emotionally satisfying in the sense that I don't have an exact reason to tell you uh, why God allowed this particular thing to happen. Or what we, what we might call a robust theodicy, yeah. a defense of God's justice. Oh, I know why he allowed the Holocaust. Or I know why he allowed the pandemic. Well, and those those tend to come across trite and almost insulting as mm-hmm. well. Or I know why yeah. he allowed you to have cancer so you would grow in your patience. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no, dude. I don't, I don't know about that. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah. I, and so not only do I – I'm not really convinced it's true. I just, I just don't know. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't think I can know given my available evidence. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to make a judgment on God's moral character. So as such, what, what this means is the problem of evil, that question, particularly when phrased in a negative, like, uh, oh, well, God should have prevented it from happening, but it did. Therefore, God either doesn't exist or doesn't have one of those three lauded properties. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if that argument doesn't work, what that means is that was offered as a defeater for theistic belief. Yeah. You ought not believe in God at all or as you've traditionally thought about God on the basis of this. But if that argument doesn't work, then that defeater is no longer in place and I could still rationally be a theist. I may not have an answer to why God always does those things. I don't even, I don't think I'm owed an answer either. Mm. But I could have independent reasons for thinking that God is good. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in other podcasts, but that's my basic that's great, response man. to any kind of problem of evil whether from man or matter um however it befalls us yep i just don't think we're in the position to know god's morally perfect reasons for allowing it if god is that way and god exists Hmm. yeah okay yep good talk yeah that's good (laughs) (laughs) i mean any what do you think just what's your reaction to that i mean yeah it's i don't find it very satisfying is it unfair? Like, does it... No, it just... No, I just don't find it emotionally satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, now the, It oh, ultimately boils down to it just... I, boy, we don't know much, though, do we? It's like, well, yeah, I guess so. It really seems bad, though, some of the stuff that's happening. Mm-hmm. It really seems like it would be better if the world didn't have that in it. But I understand on a rational level when I think about it, I don't... I'm just not in a position to say what the world would be like without X evil, whatever it happens to be. Do we have time for a little excursus? Because sure. now I feel bad that I may not have been fair. So let's just, okay, real quick. Because so, I, I, I think some 
viewers would say like, no, wait, but I, I do know that God shouldn't have let this thing happen. There's just no, there's just no reason to allow it. So Mm -hmm. a classic case, uh, that this uh, philosopher, William Rowe brought up, um, is like the injured fawn mm-hmm. example. So imagine a Bambi figure galloping across the plains uh, and it gets struck by lightning. Oh, geez. And a big gash wound appears in its side and it's been like paralyzed and it bleeds out over the course of three days and dies. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know anything else about the story really, but it just, wh- why not, why couldn't God just like, turn off the suffering mechanism like make it unconscious unconscious so it doesn't experience the pain Mm -hmm. Um, but it seems like if we were to go and observe it you could you could detect that it is still unconscious suffering if you were to try to injure it more it would yelp yeah yeah so like god didn't turn that off most likely so like isn't isn't that make it so that probably god doesn't exist like wouldn't a morally perfect god wouldn't prevent. he just or at least lessen that suffering in some way yeah mm-hmm. like what's really being lost because that example i think helps make it a little bit more clear why there are some cases that seem like they don't have this grand impact on the future history of the world right like kingdoms won't rise and fall on the basis some of, of them bambi just, falling ill and they seem over the top or sometimes called gratuitous really unnecessary suffering yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's called the problem of gratuitous evil, which is another way of phrasing it. Mm-hmm. Um, just to say, yeah, like the example with my son, that wasn't, maybe it's a case of evil, but it's not gratuitous. It's for a reason. It's for its own good. Yeah. But gratuitous evil is such that it does not warrant, it didn't warrant whatever good you thought would come from it. it was right. Just or over- it's more than what is necessary to produce the good that would come from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We want the minimal necessary suffering. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you are confident, or you hope at least, that there is no such thing as gratuitous suffering? Uh, I do hope. Yeah. But I also don't know. Don't know. That's the same answer. It's one of the questions Yeah. that leads you to search for a rescuer in some way. Mm -hmm. So I I just want to maybe end with that, like kind of pumping up the case on behalf of the atheist or agnostic. I think there are strong cases to bring up my answer would still be the same in we that don't know. I don't think you're in the epistemic position to know one way or the other um, the reasons that God has and to adjudicate them Yeah, from your perspective. Yeah. And like one quick answer would be like, well, are you saying like he should prevent the lightning from striking? And then wouldn't God's reasons for like, if he's going to prevent that lightning strike, why not prevent other lightning strikes that cause pain? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you start to get into a weird world where like, we don't have like, we live in a strange place, like Like reliable laws of physics and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like we live in a weird Truman show where strange things happen that always prevent (laughs) pain or like, yeah, you can't fire bullets into bodies. Like they always end up bouncing off, Yeah, but I can always fire a bullet at a tree or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it it ends up becoming a free will defense again, Mm. because if God desires people to have free will to freely come into a relationship with God, then they detect that they're in this weird world where there's strange rules where someone's tampering. Yeah. And then it's like, Oh God for sure exists. Well, I better 
just believe in him and try to be a a good boy and (laughs) follow the rules or something. And God's just not in the business of creating people that follow him in that way. Mm. Um, Perhaps that's one, that's one answer. Right. But I kind of want to leave it on a more uncertain note because I think that is the tenor of the position I'm arguing for. It's like... uh, It's a a big we don't know. I I genuinely don't know the mind of God. I don't purport to know. I don't think I can know. As much as that case might seem compelling at first, um, I just don't know the lasting effects of different things. And Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Well, if you enjoyed this conversation and you want to join it, you want to add something to it, leave a comment on this video or write into the show. You can reach us at opentotruth.com or opentotruthpodcast at gmail.com if you want to email us directly. We would love to hear from you. How do you handle the problem of evil? Um, and what did you think of this conversation? Was it helpful at all? Also, just to be super honest, mm. uh, I have just discovered today that I may have been doing our blog incorrectly. Uh-huh. And I apologize. So <laughs> I know that this YouTube video or channel uh, gets... Quite a bit more views in the blog. Yeah. I was wondering why, but if you if you like the uh, video audio content, I actually write a blog each week about these topics yeah. and get a little bit more uh, nuance and some different ideas that we didn't bring up here. So be sure to go to the website and sign up to be uh, get. It's just one email a week. I don't want to spam anybody, but yeah. you can get a notification to your inbox. You about can get bite-sized philosophical musings sent yeah. straight to your inbox. They're three to four minute reads. Yeah. Once Short, a week. easy uh, thought provokers. Yep. Yep. Okay. Be awesome. So yeah, <laughs> if you enjoy this content, like, subscribe, stick around. New content every week. Uh, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. Stay curious. Thanks. Thanks.